What a great way to kick off our worship today, guys. And I want to tell you a story um, to start this sermon. When I was a teenager, I actually had an experience with aliens. Now, I'll never forget it. It was me and a few of my friends. We were hanging outside after dark. Nothing exciting going on. It was just some of us laying in the grass, watching the stars. The other half of us were standing and looking down as we talked. Well, as nothing was happening, it was just a dark sky, all of a sudden, we saw this light. It started really, really small, but it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and soon the whole sky, I tell you, this is true, guys, the whole sky lit up as if it was as bright as the sun. It was so bright that I literally couldn't keep looking up. I was laying on the ground. I had to shield my eyes from the sun. And the people that were with me, that were standing, said it was so bright they could see my face like daylight. It was crazy. So it stopped our conversation dead in its tracks, obviously, right? We were just so shook by this sudden bright light. And as soon as it had come, gone. The night sky returned. We just sat there in silence for a few minutes until the first guy said, did you see that? I saw it, me too. The guys were like, oh my gosh, I thought that was just me. Are we all going crazy? Our initial reaction was surprise, but it morphed into curiosity. We were like, what do you think it was? I was like, it has to be aliens, right? It has to be aliens. Did we just watch a star explode? That was another option. We counted up all the people that were with us just to make sure somebody wasn't beamed up. We were like, five, six, seven. Weren't there eight of us? No, no, just seven. Okay, okay, we're good. So it seemed like everything was actually back to normal. And if it wasn't for the friends that were with me, I probably would have just wrote this off as like some crazy thing in my imagination. Because you just don't see this every day. You don't see this huge bright light in the, middle of the, in the middle of the night. And it was so helpful to have people that said, oh yeah, no, that was real. I saw that just like you. Um, and I was convinced at the time, right, it had, to be, it had to be aliens. Yet there was no interaction with any sort of sentient being, right? It wasn't like a Martian came down and actually had a conversation with me. And it might not be all that convincing. It might just be this strange, unique thing. But for you alien skeptics out there, you might not believe this story. Well, today we will be looking at Luke chapter 2, right? This is the same chapter that the play was from. And in this story, the angels are appearing to the shepherds, and it is like aliens appeared in the middle of the night. Let's pick up reading at verse 8 in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. They were terrified. Now, I want you to picture this angel for a moment. When the Bible speaks of angels, we tend to have a pretty solid view of what an angel is, right? We see this sort of human-like creature glowing, flying on the wings like a dove. And you might think of the costumes we saw today in the play, right? We had some of our kids dress up like, like angels, but the Greek word for angel also means messenger. Messenger. And so we need to realize that when an angel is appearing on earth, that they're bringing with them a special message. They're bringing with them a special message. They're declaring some word to us, and they're trying to communicate with us. And who sent this messenger, right? Somebody sends a messenger. Well, this was an angel of the Lord, of the Lord. So it was God who sent this messenger to the shepherds. 
And the words that the angel spoke did not originate with the angel. The angel wasn't the one who thought of this idea to come down and go tell these poor lowly shepherds about what was about to happen. No, it was God who was the one who wanted to communicate with the shepherds. So I want to make sure we remember that. Right? We have to see this angel appearing to the shepherds doing the will of God as God communicating with the shepherds through the angel. Okay, so we know this is God's messenger sent to the, to the shepherds. It isn't very surprising then to hear that this is one glorious angel because the glory that comes with the angel is the glory of the Lord who sent the angel, right? When the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds, they were terrified. It was so bright. It was so overwhelming. It was like us teenagers, right? We were shocked and stunned at the bright light that had appeared out of nowhere in the middle of the night. But in this case, there really was a being that started talking to them, right? The shepherds actually did have this experience with an alien, with a messenger from God. And it was so glorious that the very earth it touched down upon shone bright. It lit up. And I love the one line from the play when, when it was Bella, I think, who was up here. They, they asked the question, when will Jesus be born? And she was like, oh, I think it's called tonight. I think it's tonight down there. I don't really know much about that. And it is funny, but the angels really don't know what that nighttime is like. Let's listen to a verse here from Revelation 22 that speaks about what heaven will be like. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Isn't that amazing? These angels have been in constant communion with the God in heaven, and they never once have to experience the darkness that we do every single day, well, every single night. And this glory of God that shines is so bright and never runs out of juice, right, that this is the kind of renewable energy we need. That's what I would argue for. We need that energy and power that emanates from the God, the living water, the source that can never run dry. And so when the angel does eventually come down to earth, they're used to all this brightness, all this light, constant glory, right? And when they come down to earth in the middle of the night, what a stark contrast that draws. They come into this dark, stormy, well, maybe not stormy, but starry night where you have almost no light at all, maybe the moon and the stars a little bit, but the angel breaks forth into this dark and fallen world with the untamed glory of the God of the universe. It's amazing. And the shepherd's reaction is that they're terrified, right? It's, it's not like they welcome this light into their darkness. They're like, oh, great, now I can see where I'm walking. They shy away from this. It's extreme. It's intense. The glory of the Lord can be terrifying to us, can it? The angel has to console them right away. Look at, look at Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel has to remind us humans that God has a beautiful plan that is about to unfold. The angel comes announcing our redemption, the birth of our Savior. But the glory that shines around the angel is so terrifying that the shepherds weren't rejoicing quite yet. That'll come. But first, the angel had to console these fearful shepherds. Let's see what happens next in verse 11. This is the actual message that the angel delivers, right? Today in the town of David, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then, after he finishes the message, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, so the heavenly army, 
appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What a message that the angel delivers to these shepherds. I want you guys to know that this is good news, and the angel actually says that. He says, I come bringing good news, but that word is the same word as evangelize. Right? This isn't just the good news that you might hear if the Eagles won, or if you're Tom, maybe Dallas won, or Brian, maybe the Broncos. Well, whatever. But most of us here, you hear the Eagles win, that's great news. You know? Or if you have been planning a vacation for a long time, and you hear the weather's going to be good that day, you're like, oh, yes, thanks, that's great news. That's good news, but it's not that kind of thing that the angel's declaring. The angel is evangelizing, right? Sharing the gospel with these shepherds. So this message that he shares, it's not just a message for a few people at this one time. It's a message that will cause great joy for all people, right? And so this is something that the angel knows the shepherds are meant to share. It has to start somewhere, right? But it's not meant just for the shepherds. It has to start here in Bethlehem in the town of David, right? Bethlehem is also known as the town of David. And so I want to slow it down here. The, the verse I want to take a closer look at is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's three names that I want to take a look at. Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Now, we should all remember that Joseph and Mary couldn't find any space left in the inn when they came to Bethlehem. That's why Jesus was born in the stables, right? But if we think back, why were Joseph and Mary looking for an inn to sleep in in the first place? Okay? They have a house with a nice bed already, and Mary is very pregnant at this point. So we've had some moms here, right, that have had babies recently, and they would give you a pretty quick answer if you said, hey, do you want to go on a road trip eight months into your pregnancy without a guarantee of a hotel room? No. That's going to be a pretty quick answer. What on earth was Joseph thinking when he took the family somewhere so far away at such a delicate time? Well, it was either doing that, right, or it was ignoring and disobeying the Roman Emperor Augustus Caesar. So he had just decreed that everybody in the entire Roman Empire should be registered with their respective towns. And Joseph was in the line of David. So he says, okay, I go to Bethlehem, the town of David. And so he'll go there to be registered. And I guess he thought it's better to have our baby in a stable than it is to have it in a jail cell. And I would tend to agree with him there. So that's what the context is going into this situation, right? And the shepherds knew all about this. I mean, these shepherds were living around Bethlehem. This was probably the talk of the town, is the census that was happening. So you have new people coming in every single day. It's a crazy week for them. And it was really quite the event. So this is on their minds. This is on their minds, and they know what's going on as the angel appears. And then that's when the angel appears and says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And this is huge news. This is huge news to them because do you know your Jewish prophecy that the Messiah they were all supposed to be waiting for was to come from the lineage of David? This is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. This is a great prophecy, but this is going on. This is in their minds, and they hear that there's a savior that is born in Bethlehem. And guess who was just in Bethlehem? All of the people that are in the lineage of King David. This is big news. 
that paired with the prophecy in Micah 5, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, or for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. There's something big happening, and the shepherds know it. It must have been on their minds that, hey, is this Savior that the angel's declaring to us? Is this the long-awaited Messiah? Well, they didn't have to wait too much longer, because literally the next thing the angel says is, he is the Messiah. <laughs> so, hey, this is the Messiah, great. Some translations actually say here that he is the Christ. And so I think it's worth taking a look at what's the difference here maybe between he is the Messiah and he is the Christ. Both of these words, if you didn't actually know, come from the same root word, right? It's Christos, Christos, the anointed one. That's what it means. So when you say Jesus Christ, you might think, oh, well, have I been saying his last name all along? No, you're actually using a title. You're saying Jesus, the anointed one. And when they say the Messiah, it's the same thing. Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. So that's what the angel declares, that this Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. And back then you would see kings and priests and prophets, they would all go through anointing ceremonies. You would pour some sacred oil on their head to physically represent that this person had a special purpose in God's plan. And the faithful Israelites knew that God would eventually anoint a king over Israel who would reign forever. So they're looking for this anointed one. They, they keep their eye out for this. They know it's coming. And the angel appears and he says, that baby that was just born in Bethlehem, that's the one. That's the baby that will be king over Israel and will reign forever. He's your savior. Tonight he is born. That's good news. That is really, really good news. That is sharing the good news of our savior. That's evangelizing. So I want you guys to realize that what's going on in the shepherds' minds when they hear this is all this prophecy from, behind, from before. And it should excite them a little bit because they've had some saviors in the past, right? They've had kings, they've had priests in the past who were great, but they all passed away. You know, it was a come and go. For a little while, Israel's doing well. For a little while, they're not. Back and forth, what they're looking for is that solid rock that you can build your life on. So what's different about this Messiah? They might have been thinking that. This Messiah. And here's the last word, right? We talked about being a savior. We talked about being a Messiah. But this Messiah is the Lord. Verse 11, right? It literally says he is the Messiah, the Lord. And in this one word is hidden the mystery of the Trinity. The mystery of the Trinity. Now, it's not totally revealed in this one word. But to say that he is Lord? I mean, the shepherds might not have gotten it right away. They might have had to think about it. Maybe this is one of the things Mary treasured in her heart. But this baby who had been born that night is God. The second person in the Godhead, the Lord, Jesus Christ. And I want to say that God becoming man, this is the incarnation, right, is the theological way to put it. I can't explain it. I can't just give you some insight into the original language or give you some biblical background that will help you to grasp this fully. This is some incredible truth that comes from just the mystery of who God is, right? We have this eternal, infinite God who created us, and he was born in the person of Jesus. That is so incredible. I can't, I can't wrap my little head around that. I can't possibly do that. And so I can't possibly explain it to you. But it is something to be pondered. It is something to be thought of, because it's amazing. This is a glorious thing we should consider. I mean, 
I wouldn't even really expect you guys to understand. I wouldn't expect myself to understand the fullness of what that really means. I wouldn't expect anything that I create, like my artwork, to understand me fully. I mean, you could maybe even create some sort of humanoid robot. I know they do that nowadays. They try to make it as human as they can. You can program it to solve problems, maybe throw a football. But this robot isn't going to understand you, its creator, right? You might even be able to put cameras on as eyes. You might be able to have it um, understand just a little bit and see a picture of you, but it's not going to be able to comprehend you, right? You created this thing, and there's a distance there. And that's the same kind of thing that we have with our creator. There's a distance there. Now, we have a lot more capability than a robot, but it's still, we don't have the capability that God has. We're not there. There's a creator-creature distinction here. So I want to just leave that to you guys to consider, to ponder. It's a beautiful thing, and it's an amazing thing that God did. The other thing that happens here with this baby being born is that this is actually foreshadowing Jesus' death on the cross. And you might say, well, how is that possible? This is his birth, not his death, right? But actually, in this area, the firstborn lambs that were born were the ones that were spotless, at least, were the ones that were given up to be sacrificed in the temple. So this exact area is foreshadowing. The shepherds are like, oh, wow, this firstborn son of Mary? They wouldn't have understood it all maybe right away. But all of this is foreshadowing. This is literally the area they took those lambs from to be slaughtered for the sins of the people. And so we can look back knowing, wow, Jesus is our spotless lamb who took the sins of the world and died on a cross for our sins. That's amazing. So you can even see the foreshadowing in the birth of Jesus. But I'm just going to stop talking about this a little bit here, move on. To sum up what I've been saying so far, you've got this one glorious angel announce the birth of the glorious Savior, the Messiah, our Lord. So now I want to bring to you, there's been a lot of glory in this. I mean, it is the title of our sermon series, right? The glory of Christmas. But I want to bring to your attention the ironic humility. With all of this glory, there's an ironic humility behind it all. Think about some of the movies that you've seen. Maybe there's a scene where there's the arrival of a king into the city. Or maybe there's some announcement that's being made for the sports team that's entering the field. There's going to be a whole lot of fanfare, right? You've got the buildup. You've got the anticipation. And when they arrive on the scene, you've got the huge crowds, the applause of the roaring crowds. It's a crazy scene. Well, think about that announcement, right? And think about the announcer as the main angel who appears. And then all the other angels that show up to kind of be in the background, they're the hype men. They're really hyping this up. This is a fanfare. There's a big announcement to be made. And when I read through all of this, I instantly thought of one movie and one guy, Caesar Flickerman from The Hunger Games. Do you guys remember this? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Well, this guy was the host of the show for The Hunger Games, right? He had the best intro music I've ever heard. Trumpets were blaring. Lights were flashing, and you could just see the glow off of his face. It's like the glory of Caesar Flickerman, right? Well, this is the same kind of fanfare that you might see in our passage with one huge difference. I want you to take a look at the audience for Caesar Flickerman. Look at these massive waves of people, right? If you were thinking about all of this stuff, if it was the king who was coming into the city, I mean, all of the most important people would flock to see the king. Right? You would have noblemen and women lining up to see the king, to greet him. 
If you had the Super Bowl and there was a sports team being announced, you, you would have crowds of people in all the best gear decked out, screaming and applauding for them. With Caesar Flickerman, you have all of the most wealthy and influential citizens who have come to attend this great show. Right? This is the announcement, and it's such a glorious thing that the audience has to be a big deal. What is the audience for our big announcement in the scripture? A couple of shepherds. Some lowly shepherds? I mean, this is so crazy. This is a twist. This is not what you would expect if you were doing things the worldly way. But see, the Bible isn't a Hollywood film, right? Our God isn't some worldly ruler who demands the most glorious entrance with the most glorious audience. He himself emanates glory, but he chose to have a few lowly shepherds as the audience for this huge announcement, right? And a shepherd's work, I want to just talk about this, it's a pretty dirty job, right? This was manual labor, and it was important, no doubt. But they had to take care of animals. So you're helping to lead, feed, and birth these sheep. I mean, you're going to have some stains on your cloak, right? And I want to show you a photo of one artist's rendition of what shepherds might have looked like. Yes, this is from The Chosen. Great, great show. But these guys, I mean, they're out there living. It's like a camping sort of lifestyle, right? They're wearing animal skins as cloaks. They have a fire pit where they're cooking their food, so all their food is cooked on the fire. They're living in a tent um, out in the wilderness, really exposed. And this might look kind of fun for you guys, right? It's fun to go camping for a change, but every single night? I mean, these guys, they probably didn't get to shower all that well, and it's maybe not the type of people you would want to go visit in the middle of the night, you know? These, these guys had a rough lifestyle. So what kind of person would want to announce their biggest announcement to a couple of these guys? God would. God would. God loves these lowly people. And God loves us lowly people here. We don't have to be kings and high priests to experience God's glory. Maybe we can show the next photo here. This is what they look like being struck by the glory of the angels that appeared, right? I mean, this should just floor you, right? God doesn't desire the kind of glory that our celebrities do. God came down humbly as a baby boy, lying in a manger, which was a feeding trial for animals, and his glorious announcement was given to some lowly shepherds who went out and then spread the good news they heard. I want to wrap up here pretty quick, but Verse 15, let's take a look at that. This is their response to seeing this glory. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. After hearing the announcement, right, they don't need to think it over. They acted immediately. They left their work behind them. They went to the town where the angel told them to, and they sought out baby Jesus and later on, you'll see in the passage, after seeing him for themselves, they went out and they told the neighbors. They told the neighbors. People were amazed at the story that they heard. They were amazed at the story that the shepherds told. And these are the kinds of people that God is communicating with. He wants to communicate with some lowly shepherds. He's revealing himself to these low people, and he's humbling the proud in heart. And when such a glory is beheld, I mean, we should all fall to our knees like the lowly shepherds and then go out and spread the good news. 
like they understood. It was not news only for them, but it was meant to be shared with all people. So let's remember that this Christmas season. As we prepare next week, I mean, it's Christmas already, it's crazy. But let's remember that our glorious Savior's birth, which we celebrate at Christmas, is good news to all people. Our glorious Savior's birth is good news to all people. Let's pray. God, we praise you for your overwhelming glory. You have shown us your power and brilliance, and you've revealed yourself most perfectly in your Son, Jesus. Thank you for coming down to earth, for being our Savior and our Lord. We are humbled by your high and mighty character and by the glorious grace that you extend, even to your lowly creation. Thank you for meeting us right where we need you, instead of leaving us to fend for ourselves. We want to be like these shepherds who, after seeing your glory, turned around and left everything behind them, running towards their Savior. Please work your salvation in us, sanctifying us in your spirit. Amen.